If you would turn to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll be there in a moment or so. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Well, old Josh uh, won a million dollars in the lottery, and uh, people thought his minister better go tell him, and uh, he thought, you know, I better be careful, I don't want to shock him, and he has a heart attack. So um, the minister said, I'm going to be real careful when I talk to him. He just won the million-dollar lottery. And so the minister said to Josh, do you think you would ever win the lottery? And Josh said, no, no, probably not. I just don't win things like that. And then the minister said, suppose you won a million dollars in a lottery, what would you do with the money? And he said, well, I'd give half of it to the church. And the minister dropped over dead. Read with me uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Let a man so consider us, and we can apply that us to us as believers, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. When it comes to the subject of stewardship, most people feel that the Bible talks only about money. But that's not really true. Um, The Bible talks about the subject of stewardship and reminds us that we as believers, we are to be servants of the Lord and we are to be stewards of many things. And here the um, apostle makes it very clear uh, that what the Lord is looking for in the lives of Christian people and stewards is that faithfulness. God wants us to be faithful to him and faithful to one another in the family of God. And uh, a steward, really, uh, in biblical times, was a person to whom another person entrusted his property. A first century Roman, uh, in the first century, rather, Roman world, a um, trusted steward was a person who administered the master's, as he being a servant, the master's household, even though the servant didn't own the household. Uh, I guess the best example would be Joseph in Potiphar's house in Egypt. Remember, he was a steward. And actually, he was given the responsibility not only running Pharaoh's household, but eventually all of Egypt. Uh, Quite a uh, trust that was put in him. So the steward was a manager, but not an owner. Uh, He was entrusted by the owner to manage the master's estate. The Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians 4 <clears throat> says that he was entrusted with the, the mysteries of God. In other words, the things that God wanted to reveal to his people down through the years. The things that we have in Scripture. And please always remember that when you hold the Bible in your hands or when you read the Bible, it's God's uniquely inspired word. Uh, God has communicated with mankind. And he's communicated with us through his inspired word. And the Holy Spirit guided the human writers so that we have in our hands this morning the inerrant, uh, infallible word of God. And when you read something from the Bible, it is God's word to man. And it's vitally important. Well, the Apostle Paul said, I have become a steward 
of what the Lord has revealed to me. And likewise, um, we are also stewards of what God has given to us. And uh, the primary message that God has given to us is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You say, as believers, you know that you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And you know that there are people in your sphere of influence or in your neighborhood or around you somewhere who don't know Christ. So God has entrusted you with the gospel message that there's forgiveness of sin, all sin, through Jesus, and we are entrusted with that, and we can in turn give that message to others. Now, very quickly, um, the Word of God tells us that we're stewards of many things, not just the gospel, although I believe that's number one, that the Lord wants us to share our knowledge of the Lord. There's someone within your sphere of influence that God wants you to share the good news with. Uh, so that they, in turn, might have forgiveness of sin and an eternal relationship with God. We're stewards of our church fellowship, Hebrews chapter 10. I'm just going to mention the chapters. We're stewards of our spouses. Husbands are to pray for wives. Wives are to pray for husbands. We're stewards of our children, Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 6. We're stewards of our physical bodies. Um, Sometimes we don't think of this, but yes, the Lord wants to take care of ourselves. Take care of our bodies, not to abuse them in any way. We're stewards of our minds. Romans chapter 12, be transformed by the renew, pardon me, renewing of your mind. In other words, um, we need to structure our thinking and make sure that our thoughts line up with how God wants us to be thinking. Uh, we're stewards of our time. Ephesians 5.16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And uh, I thank the Lord that you... Set your clocks back ahead. I said back. That you set your clocks ahead. Otherwise, you would have missed the service this morning, right? Uh, We thank the Lord because we're stewards of our time. And, of course, the Word of God is very clear. We're stewards of our money. Now, let me mention this as we look at this stewardship of the finances this morning. There's 52 Sundays a year, right? 52 Sundays a year. Out of the 52 Sundays... We hardly ever mention the, the privilege of giving to the Lord. And maybe that's an error. You see, I, I read just past week of a pastor who had a whole series. He took a whole month and talked about the subject of giving to the Lord. There is much in the Word of God with regards to giving to the Lord. In fact, we will be talking about this for just a couple minutes. The Lord Jesus Christ himself had much to say about the subject of money, and our finances. Listen to this. 16 of the 38 parables given by our Lord concern how to handle money and our possessions. Now, that's saying a lot. Over half of the, uh, about half of the parables, really, were about handling money. Actually, Jesus said more about money than almost any other subject. Let me show you why. There's 500 verses in the Bible on prayer. There's less than 500 on the subject of faith. Wait to hear this statistic. But there's 2,350 verses on the subject of money and possessions. Now, I wonder why the Lord did that. Why did he put that in his word? Because he wants us to take care of what we have, what he has blessed us with. He wants us to use our resources wisely as stewards. That's why there's so many verses on the subject. 
And I love Luke 6.38 coming from the lips of our Lord himself where he said, Give and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, Luke 6.38, will men put into your bosom. With the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And the picture there is in biblical times when um, people would go into the marketplace and they would get grain, they didn't really carry a bag along with them. A number of them would take their long robes and hold the robes up like this. And that's why it's Jesus said, so men will give into your bosom as you give. And so they would give money uh, for the grain and then they would pour the grain and they would hold that grain and take it until they went home. It's very interesting um, to say the least. Remember the words of our Lord in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, where uh, the Apostle Paul was telling the Ephesian elders, remember the words of our Lord when he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow. Now let me say this at this point. I'll try to be real careful and, and, and try to be very true to the text of Scripture. I truly believe that there are a lot of Christians who miss out on the blessing of the Lord because they don't, uh, because they don't really plan to give to the Lord and to the Lord's work. Um, it's it's a privilege when you when you gave that money that offering this morning. You know what it was going for? It was going for the giving out of the gospel. Much of it goes to our missionaries, and they're in different countries. Some of them reaching people in China for Christ. The money that's given that's used here, we're trying to reach people for Christ right here in our own community. And uh, that's what the um, uh, offering goes to. Uh, so, uh, there was a, uh, an old farmer, again, this is the second one we're mentioning this morning, an old farmer who enjoyed giving extensively to the Lord's work. And uh, some people said to him one time, they said, oh, well, why do you enjoy giving to the Lord? And he replied this way, he's a farmer, I keep shoveling into God's bin and he keeps shoveling back into my bin, and he's got the bigger shovel. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? It really is. The Word of God uh, teaches us that there are two distinctive parts to our handling of our finances. There's God's part and our part. And when it comes to God's part, we see that the Lord wants us to realize that the blessings of life come from him, and when we give, we're giving back to him and things that will help others to come to know him as Lord and Savior. In fact, uh, there are over 250 titles and names for God in the scriptures. But the name of God that really touches on this subject is the name Master. He's the Master. We're his servants. And we have a great privilege of serving our Lord and Savior. Uh, you recall Job in the Old Testament. He lost his family and all his possessions. I mean, it was a, when you read the book of Job, you, your heart goes out and you identify. You can say, boy, Job, he lost his family, he lost all his possessions, and he lost his health. But what did he do after that? He bowed down and he worshipped the Lord. Wow. What a concept of his, his God being his master. And then, of course, there was uh, Moses. And the Bible says that, yes, Moses was raised in Egypt. But after he understood that he had a relationship with the God of the universe, the Bible says that he forsook the treasures of Egypt. And he suffered affliction with the people of God. 
So rather than staying with the wealth of the Egyptians, Moses said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I'm going to lead my people out of the land of Egypt. And uh, both these men realize that God is worthy of our worship and our adoration because he is our master. In fact, um, I guess if there's one concept that we should keep in mind as we think of stewardship of our possessions, and that's the fact that God owns everything. Okay? He owns absolutely everything. Psalm 24, verse 1, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they who dwell therein. We read this morning in Scripture reading, 1 Chronicles 29 was well read for us. And verse 11 said, For all that is in heaven and all that is in the earth is yours. So if we would stop here, we'd say, okay, we know what the Bible is saying. Everything that we have belongs to God. I'm going to tell you something really neat. Last Wednesday night, I dealt with this concept with the kids. And... um, We said, you know, we all have different kinds of possessions, and some of you have cell phones. And you know how the kids like their cell phones, right? And so I said, um, well, remember now, we just talked about the fact that everything belongs to God. Now, to show that it takes a while for this to sink in, so I said to the guys, uh, how many of you have cell phones? And they said, whose cell phone is that? And he says, it's mine. And I said, no, it isn't. He said, yes, it is. Now, I, I told him carefully. I said, now, God has allowed you, your parents, to give you the phone, but that is not your phone. Whew. What a concept to get a hold of, okay? It's a big concept. For all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. That's very clear. In fact, listen to this. Haggai chapter 2, verse 8 says, The silver and gold is mine. So all silver and gold in the world is the Lord's. Leviticus 25:23. he said to his people, the land, it is mine. Psalm 50, verse 10, he said, every beast of the forest of the field, every animal is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. And that's why sometimes when people, they're in a difficult situation. And um, I used to have a missionary friend in uh, New York who used to say, yeah, we're, we're really tight financially, and uh, I know that the Lord said he owns a cattle on a thousand hills, and I've asked him to kill one of them so we can get things going here in our house. He does own the cattle on the Thousand Hills. All belongs to him. One day, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist church movement, one day his house burned down. And some people found him and said, uh, John, we, we're really sorry to tell you this, but your house burned to the ground. And he said, no, that's impossible. And they said, no, you, you, you don't understand what we're telling you. We're telling you your house burned to the ground. And uh, he said, well, I don't own a house. The Lord's given me a house to live in. And uh, since that one burned down and he didn't stop it, he's going to give me another place. See, did he understand that truth, though, that all belongs to God? He certainly did. He understood it very well. Now, very quickly in... Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is one of the key passages in the Word of God on the subject of giving to the Lord. In fact, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. And we're just going to glance at it and find some things that will encourage us because the Lord is talking about the churches in Macedonia, which was northern Greece. And these churches uh, took up a collection in order to help the church people 
the believers in the city of Jerusalem because they were being persecuted for their faith. I want to mention this. Last Sunday we had someone here who was um, ministering to people in China. And I feel he did a very effective job telling how people can come to Christ, how he has led people to Christ, how the people he has led to Christ have led others to Christ in China. And you responded to that last Sunday. We had an offering plate here. Uh, and there was at least, um, let's see if I can remember the exact, I can't remember the exact, but there was over $600 that was given. Why? Because we're concerned that more and more people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We're concerned when we give that Christ is honored and Christ is uplifted. And the churches in Macedonia, you'll see that in chapter 8, verse 1, you'll see that they had a collection given uh, and taken up for persecuted believers in Jerusalem. Now, the Apostle Paul said, these people are a model of what we should keep in mind when we give to the Lord. We're just going to touch on these, and I think you will be encouraged by seeing it. Very motivational to look at these ten ways to give that pleases God. God is pleased, first of all, when you give even though you are overwhelmed with problems. Now let's look at the text. 2 Corinthians 8.1 Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of our God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now look at this terminology here. In great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. You'll notice the text says, first of all, a trial of great affliction. You know, this is why we need to pray for one another. Some of you go through real trials, and I thank the Lord. Sometimes you call and say, I need prayer support on this, or you let another brother and sister in Christ. We need to support one another in prayer. Sometimes we don't understand. I could tell you a number of times of when people have come into a service, and they came to the service, and we chatted afterwards, and they said, you know, my heart is very heavy for something that's happening in my life. Or some other times people will say, my heart is very heavy and I'm burdened for things that are happening in the lives of people that I know and love. This is why we pray for one another, right? This is why we have a prayer room. We want to pray for one another. We want to support one another. And, and it is amazing what God does. Uh, I hope we are amongst those who believe in the power of prayer. I know you know um, James 5.16b, the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous avails much. Many things happen. And sometimes things don't happen when we don't take our needs before the Lord because the Apostle James said in James chapter 4, you have not because you... So therefore, i got to be asking. i got to be praying. i got to be talking to the Lord about the things that concern me. Well, the Macedonian believers were like this. In a great trial of affliction... They were still giving to the Lord. They could have said, Lord, we've lost our jobs because people didn't want to buy from our place. Uh, they didn't want to support us because our faith is in you. And we believe that Jesus is the true Messiah. And, and we don't have the money coming in. Or they could have said, you know, uh, I've been beaten for my faith in Christ. My neighbors don't even look at me because I believe in Jesus Christ. And they could have said, I, I just can't be giving. They didn't do that in a 
great trial of affliction, their own persecution. They were ridiculed, they were robbed, they were imprisoned, and some of them were even beaten because of their faith in Christ. And what does it say? What's the text say? They still gave to the Lord. So number one, God is pleased when you give, even though you may be overwhelmed with problems. That is really what the text is saying. Now, I realize that's easy to say on a Sunday morning. That's easy for me to stand here and say, hey, if you're going through a whole lot of problems, don't stop giving to the Lord. Well, that's easy to say. But you know what? The person who's going through the trials and the needs, it's amazing, amazing rather, what the Holy Spirit does when that person says, you know, I am going through trials, I am going through needs in my life, but I still want to give something to the Lord. There's some examples coming up here real quick. Number two. God is pleased when you give even though you are in abject poverty. Wow. Let's look at it again. Let's look at the text. In a great, verse 2, in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Deep poverty. See, sometimes people will say something like this. I am so strapped financially, I can't really give to the Lord. You know, that's not true. That is not true. You say, wow, why are you saying that? Because some people miss out on the blessings and they stay in the realm of poverty because they don't give to the Lord. You say, well, God will wipe it away? Well, let's let's use what Jesus said. Let's use what Jesus said. In uh, Mark chapter 12, Jesus was standing with the disciples and he's looking at people putting offering in the temple that day. And by the way, there were those who would say, we don't need to give to that temple. Those religious leaders, they don't even believe Jesus is the Messiah. But Jesus paid the temple tax. Very interesting. But what's really interesting is Jesus said to the disciples, see, see that lady there? She's a widow and she's very poor. And she put two mites in. And Jesus said, she put in more than all the rest of these that would, were putting their money in and making the... Uh, the offering plates jingle as they were dropping their money in to the Lord. Why did she do it? That's the question. Because she knew that God would take care of her. Jesus knew, you see, as God the Son, that she was giving the last two mites that she had. And by the way, the value of those two mites in terms of today's money, less than a penny. But you listen what Jesus said. She put in more than the rest of these that were pouring money into the uh, little trumpets that took the, the coins. Why? Because she gave all that she had. And you know, the Bible doesn't say, and we always got to be careful when we try to add the Scripture. We have to be careful when we interpret the Scripture. But the Bible doesn't say, and after that poor widow put her money in the offering plate, she starved to death and died. Doesn't say that, does it? <laughs> It doesn't. Do you think God took care of her after she put that offering in for him? I do. I think the Lord took care of her. Thirdly, quickly, God is pleased when you give beyond your ability. Now, boy, look at this terminology. Really, it's interesting. It really is. According to their ability and beyond their ability, verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability and beyond their ability. In other words... As we talk today, people say, well, they can't really afford to put that in there. You see what I'm saying? I'm trying to be careful. I'm not trying to lay guilt on anybody. 
The Lord teaches you what to give. This pastor will never know in this fellowship who gives what to the Lord. I, I, I stay a million miles away from that because that's what God wants me to do. But, you know, I, I like to teach what the Bible says about giving because here it's saying that these believers in Macedonia, they gave beyond, don't miss us now, some of your translations, what they could afford to give. You say, would God ask somebody to give money beyond what they could really afford to give? You know the answer. Yes. Well, why would he do that? So that these who give to the Lord like the widow in the temple can find that the Lord is going to supply and take care of them. And that's the true and accurate interpretation of the Word of God. You can look at verse 3 there. You can take that verse and show it to anybody, even to a non-Christian. Okay, someone who doesn't believe in God doesn't, and, and, and you show them the verse and they say, what does that verse say? And they'll say, well, that verse says that people should give even if they can't afford to give. Now, is that a wrong principle? No, not if God, the one you're giving to, is going to supply for you. That's the point. Very important. Number three, God is pleased when you give beyond what you, we would call your ability. Uh, that's called also sacrificial giving sacrificial giving wow how many believers do you think in the percentage of the body of Christ today really give sacrificially to the Lord I don't know I really don't know I do read Barna's statistics on what's given in the church in America today and I don't think you would like to hear the figures so I'm not going to mention them to you. The encouragement again is to remember that we're giving to the Lord. Let's go back to that widow. Why did she put her last two mites in the offering? Because she knew that God would supply. And we do too when we give because you know this verse very well. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply some of your need. That's why she did it. So like I said, somebody who doesn't even know God, doesn't even believe in giving to the Lord, you show them that verse, and what, what are they, what's it going to say? And you ask them, what's that say? And you say, well, say God's asking his people to give even sometimes when they can't afford to give. Whoa, that's saying a lot, isn't it? Quickly, number four, God is pleased when you give generously. Uh, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their liberality. In other words, they gave much generously to the Lord. Number five, God is pleased when you give eagerly. Did you notice in verse four, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift, imploring us with much urgency. They were begging. The church there said to the apostles, here you have uh, the apostles, all right? And they're going to be taking this money from Macedonia over to Jerusalem because the Christians in Jerusalem were suffering. Well, so were the Christians in Macedonia. And the Apostle Paul says that they urged, they begged them, they said, let us give to them because they have needs. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. Number six, God is pleased when we give cheerfully. That's chapter 9, verse 7, if you want to look at it. Um, it's the next page over. 
So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly nor of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves it. When we will give to him, please don't miss this, without pressure, without being made to feel guilty. I trust never on a Sunday morning before we take our... Someone comes and they pray, don't they? And ask God to bless the offering. But there should be no feelings of, oh... You know, uh, gotta give. You gotta give. And if you don't give, we don't do that. We give out of a willing heart. Uh, we give because <laughs> we're giving to our Lord. We give without pressure and um, without sensing that uh, gotta do it. It's a demand. No, we give because we want God's people to be blessed. And we just heard last week of some people in China who need to hear about Christ. And, and, and we responded and we said, Lord, we're going to put some in that offering plate so that more people may come to know of Christ. Uh, God is pleased when we give um, cheerfully. God is pleased when it is pl- when um, you give yourself to the Lord. You'll notice 8, 5 it says, and not only as we had hoped, but first they gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. It's wonderful when you receive Christ the Savior, you're saved, you're born again. And then after you trust Christ as your Savior, you say, Now, Lord, what is it you would want me to do in my life? And, you know, daily we should be praying something like that. Lord, what are the things you want me to do today? What are the phone calls you would like me to make? Is there a neighbor I need to check on? Is there someone in the body of Christ I need to check on? You see, the Lord loves it when you'll say, Lord, I have salvation. I'm ready to go to heaven but Lord, I give myself to you. That's what the Macedonians did. God is pleased when you give yourself to the Lord, and God is pleased when you accept personal responsibility. I'd like you to turn to one more passage, and this is the closing out passage on this subject. And it's interesting. It's very interesting. You'll notice that it says, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Now concerning the collection of the saints that I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, verse 2, on the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there no be collections when I come. So you might say, you know, is there a place in the Bible where it says we should give an offering when we come to worship God? There it is right there. It's very clear in the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Um, what about the um, pleasing God aspect of this? Well, the text says that we should give purposefully. The, one, the Lord wants us to plan to give to him. Uh, that's very important. Uh, you'll notice he says, I'm going to repeat verse 2 again. On the first day of the week, that's today, Sunday, it says, let each one of you, whoa, okay, husband and wives, Normally speaking, we give together. We decide what we want to give to the Lord. But you may not be in that situation. Your spouse may be with the Lord or whatever. And, but it says, let each one of you. I still remember my parents. When they would give us our allowance, they would put quarters on the dining room table. Quarter? Why wasn't it dollars? Well, anyway, uh, quarters on the dining room table. And we were very thankful, by the way. And on one... For each of us, there were quarters here and there were some here. And they would say, we're encouraging you to give these quarters to the Lord. 
Never forgot it. Never forgot it. Taught when I was very young. And of, of the things that I receive, part belongs to the Lord. And, and it's amazing how God will bless your life when you realize that principle, that a part obviously belongs to the Lord because ultimately he, he owns it all. You'll notice the text says, let each one of you, and then it says to plan, uh, it says to set aside on the first day of the week. Now we're thankful for the Lord, to the Lord for all gifts that are given to this ministry. There are some people who give out of an automatic deposit, uh, um, receiving. Um, there are some people that give that way. Uh, there are some people who write checks, but there are some who have an automatic withdrawal, and it goes to the ministry of the church, and that's fine. But let me just say this. A lot of things that we do today, we structure in relationship to our culture. I believe that the early Christians, when they came and they gave their money on the Lord's Day, they had planned to do it on the Lord's Day, and they realized and they understood that God was going to use that money to help other Christians or to spread the gospel. Do you catch what I'm saying? I'm not saying it's wrong for you to give uh, on an automatic withdrawal system. I'm not saying that. I am saying, however, that when Christians came in the early church, they brought something and they gave it to the Lord. And I, I believe that that planning aspect is found in the text of Scripture. Last thing, and, and you need to know this one because uh, you need to be encouraged by it. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 again. It says, Let each one of you were all to give to the Lord, Lay something aside, there's the planning, and storing up as God may prosper you. In other words, if God has blessed you with finances, you look at those finances and say, thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for my job. I thank you, Lord, for the, the, the salary or the pay that I get. And, Lord, out of that, I really do want to give something to you. I believe this passage is very clear. It's encouraging. There's nothing in this that discourages us. It tells us that we can all give to the Lord, and when we give to the Lord out of that giving, he in turn uh, blesses and prospers us. We give because we're stewards of all that we have, and, and sometimes the men pray here on Sunday mornings, and they say, Lord, we realize that all belongs to you, but we're giving out of what you have given us. We're giving back to you. Let's join in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Uh, we pray that you will encourage us to be those who give without pressure. Give willingly to you, to the ministry, to the spread of the gospel. Lord, again, we started by saying we realize that Everything belongs to you. That's not my house. That's not my car. And people who don't know you, Lord, would say, yes, it is. That's your car. No, you've loaned it to me, Lord, and I've got to take good care of it. You've given us our house, and we've got to take good care of it. You've given me the health and strength that I have. I've got to take good care of it. I'm a steward. Thank you, Lord, for our understanding of this. And may it encourage us. And our giving to realize we're investing properly in what you ask us to do. Because, again, 
as we come to the Lord's table, we remember the words of Jesus who said, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven.